right, welcome to the Ruby Rogues podcast. Today on our panel, we have Brian Hogan. Hi, everyone. And with us today is Hong Lee Lai. Hello. So, uh, you're a pretty big person in my eyes. I mean, you have created something that I just I use every day. So, I just want to start off with thank you for uh, your work with uh, Passenger. It has been a huge difference in my life. So, uh, thank you very much. And uh, would you mind telling us a little about you, your company, and some of the products that you offer? Yeah, sure. And uh, I'm I'm really glad you like Passenger. I mean, one of the reasons why I made Passenger is to make people happy. So I'm really glad I succeeded uh, in, in 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 that for certain people. Um, so th- as for how Fusion started, uh, Fusion started in 2008 uh, when it was just my co-founder and myself. So my other co-founder is Ning. Uh, we started Fusion back when we were uh, students at the University of Twente in the Netherlands. We always had this uh, dream of starting a company for ourselves, but we didn't really know what to do until we uh, somehow got into this Rails ecosystem and it really got us excited about all the things that are going on there, all the improvements that we'll make and how different it was from the establishment. And we saw a clear need there to improve the production story, like people found deploying to production to be really difficult because people were not used to the model that Rails used to deploy, namely setting up a bunch of mongrels and a bunch of processes and reverse proxying that to to some web server. Instead, people were more used to a PHP-like style of deployment where you just have a bunch of files that is your app and tell your web server, there is my app and have have the web server take care of the process management and route and that kind of stuff for you. And that is um, the idea behind Passenger. Passenger is uh, a change in the deployment style, in a change in the usability. And that's why, um, uh, that's how we made Passenger better in terms of uh, making Rails deployment easier. Let's take a break from this episode and really quickly talk about finding a job. You know, searching for a job can feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through an interview process just to find out that the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Well, there's a solution. Hired.com is the world's most intelligent talent-matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities. They make the job search faster, focused, and stress-free instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best. Hired puts you in control of how and when you connect with compelling opportunities. And after completing one simple application, top employers apply to you. And the best part is, is that you get money. That's right. They pay you if you get a job through them. Listeners to this show can earn double their normal hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link. That's right, you get $2,000 instead of $1,000. So go sign up at Hired.com slash Ruby Rogues Podcast. That's how we made Passenger better in terms of uh, making Rails deployment easier. That's really cool because it's it's funny to me how 
um, you know, in in Ruby Land and in Rails Land, especially, we kind of keep coming up with these different ways of doing the deployments, and uh, we can kind of keep uh, bouncing back. Let's oh, let's use Thin. Oh, let's use Unicorn. Let's use Puma. Let's let's you know these different these different approaches. Um, and every one of them I've tried, I always kind of keep coming back to Passenger because of that that thing that it's 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 simple, uh, but it's incredibly powerful. It doesn't take nearly as long to set up. Um, and it's just it's just well it's well done. It's mature, uh, and and so you know a lot of that a lot of that just uh, you know a lot of that credit goes goes to uh, goes to Fusion and, and you for doing all of that doing all that work to help the mere mortals get their applications deployed. Yeah, the, the mere mortal thing that is one of our core philosophy. Like at at least from my point of view, I even before Fusion, I came from a background where I find usability really important, not only for uh, for companies but also for uh, for my users. Uh, even even before Fusion, I've always had the philosophy that user interfaces should be simple, uh, even command line user interfaces, even server stuff, and. Uh, computers should be there to serve humans, not the other way around. If something can be done by the computer, why should you have to tell it what to do? Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I think it's a really good point for uh, for programmers to keep in mind. This is a, the, that's one of the things that always uh, that drew me uh, after all the the Java and the PHP and the the ASP stuff I'd done in my career. What drew me to Ruby was the the fact that most of the people who were doing uh, doing the big things in the Ruby community had that same mindset of um, you know we're, we're not here to bow to the whim of the compiler or the interpreter. We're we're here to write to write software and and uh, and do it in a way that's uh, that's efficient and I, I'll dare say fun. Uh, and so that's that's really cool. That that's your core philosophy, and it shows. It shows through the product development that, that you're all doing. Um, you know, what's 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 the current state of what's the current state of Passenger? The current state of Passenger, uh, the latest version is 5.1, in which we have introduced uh, many more features, improvements in performance and robustness, etc. It is an uh, iterative improvement upon the 5.0 series and you guys might know the 5.0 series from the raptor campaign in, in which we drastically improved performance and, uh, and now we have added all sorts of well you could say refinements to make it uh, even better in production and even better to um, in, in terms of usability and making life easier for developers and sysadmins but it's a culmination of lots and lots and lots of little changes as opposed to one or two big changes. Yeah, that whole Raptor campaign created uh, kind of an upstir in my world. I'm like, what is this thing? What is it going to do? And how is it going to affect my passenger deployments? <laughs> so um, you definitely had me uh, on a rope there for a, for a bit. Then I'm like, oh, cool. It's the next version of Passenger. <laughs> That's awesome. So Yes, Yes, and underwater, um, in the Raptor campaign, there was actually a lot of engineering going on. I don't know whether you have read the blog post. Um, 
I think I spent one or two months full time working on rewriting all sorts of stuff to make Passenger faster. And there just was no single hotspot that I could optimize. And suddenly Passenger was 80% faster. Instead, I had to optimize like 30 different small things that each make Passenger 0.5% faster. So it was quite a hectic ride. Oh, I bet. Well, uh, you know, even though all your work uh, may go unnoticed sometimes, you know, I know that if you had not done all this work, uh, people would notice, you know. Um, so your contributions have definitely made a huge difference. So uh, what are some of the new features in Passenger 5.1, you know, from its previous versions? Let me open the blog announcement. Well, there has been new features for minimizing and preventing downtime. Um, for example, there are uh, when you when writing software, all the corner cases really matter, especially when something is in uh, production. Normally, programmers don't really like to think about error handling and. Uh, th- th- a lot of people think, okay, I'll just catch an exception, print an error, and, and, and done. Sometimes that is the right approach, but a lot of times error handling can be really, really complex. And in Passenger, we do our best to, um, to handle errors correctly because, hey, this, the site has to stay online. But there are weird corner cases somehow, cases that we haven't thought of that might, um, that might result in the website behaving not correctly if we don't handle errors um, in specific situations in different manner. So we have added various small tweaks uh, in various parts of Passenger to make sure that Passenger stays stable in those cases. For example, we have added um, uh, fixes that would ensure Passenger doesn't work when there is an NTP update and your system clock suddenly uh, uh, shifts with a, a few seconds. That can that could really mess up the timers inside Passenger that uh, that normally take care of the internal I/O events for you. Or uh, we have looked at how Passenger integrates with the the log file rotation system on Ubuntu, for example, and we had to modify certain aspects in Passenger to make sure that they play nicely. That sort of thing. And currently, you have two different versions of Passenger, a open source and an enterprise version. At what point should someone uh, start to consider that the open source version they have kind of outgrown and they really should consider switching to your enterprise version? Mm, That is... Well, normally people... us when they need a specific feature. So um, Passenger Enterprise has a number of well-documented features, and I think that the best way for people to judge whether they need Enterprise is whether they, they need a specific feature or if they need support from us, because support is, is, the, is also a large part of our offering. We are the Passenger Altar, so you can ask your questions directly to us, and uh, we are probably better able to answer your question than, for example, uh, random searches on Stack Overflow. What we usually do is uh, we, we try to consider the whole picture, the whole stack, and we can, uh, we can give customized consultancy based on that. 
So Rails uh, Rails five introduced the the action cable stuff for WebSockets. How uh, how how does passenger how does passenger work with that, and how difficult was that to to implement? Well, implementing action cable support was not really that difficult, but uh, there were a few challenges that were not very obvious. For example, action cable used um, rack API calls that were not part of the standard. For, uh, I believe that in Rails 5.1, a call was added that would call write non-block or something with a specific parameter on it. And the rec spec doesn't allow that, but the Rails author still assumed that it is there. So we had to debug, our, uh, debug the action cable test application, see where the error was because no error was locked. The thread that ran action cable just died without locking something. So it took, it took quite a while to even find out where it went wrong. But when we found the, the source of the problem, the fix was really simple. It is a lot of small things like this. It's just the problem is that they are not obvious and it takes a lot of time to find out um, how to find them. It's a lot of polishing work. Sure, that makes a lot of sense, and it's 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 fun to hear those kinds of stories. Uh, just you know, just to kind of see, you know, it, it seems from the outside it seems so simple. Like, why don't you just support this feature? And then when you dig into it, it's like, oh my goodness! And it's sort of peeling peeling back the layers of the onion to figure out what what's going on. Yeah, and while peeling the layers, you you sometimes find rotten parts that you wouldn't think are there. That's what that's why we have two blog posts that document in detail how we have uh, improved Action Cable, how we have found vulnerabilities and bugs in Action Cable, and and how we fix them. So you send those back up. You send those back upstream to the Rails Rails team and say, "Hey, we found these things. You might want to fix them." Yes, we did. Awesome. Yeah, and I know that currently uh, Action Cable works really well with a combo of Nginx and Passenger. Uh, have you guys worked out the support with Apache and Passenger for Action Cable? Or right what now, kind of roadblocks are there? Well, right now we haven't, but Apache itself is. Uh, well, it's it it is its IO system is not really nice to work with, so to say, and it doesn't really help that a lot of things in Apache seems to be under documented. Uh, we also haven't really noticed a lot of demand from people who want to use WebSockets in combination with uh, Apache. And because there's always something more important to do, it is not really high on our to-do to list until there is a clear demand for it. Well, what we've told people so far is if you're interested in serious WebSocket work or Action Cable work, go use uh, Passenger in combination with Nginx. And uh, so far, we haven't really received any complaints. That's interesting. So it, it's... Um, um a lot of the times I've seen, a lot of times I've seen uh, in consultant work, and and I've seen Apache and uh, a passenger as kind of this this combo that's just always there. So it's interesting to hear that that it's sort of these uh, the way Rails is moving and the way that Apache works and uh, is sort of affecting the ability for people to continue down that pathway. And that's 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 really interesting for me to hear. Yeah, there are a lot more issues in Apache that, uh, that are not so nice. For example, last time I heard that the, the event MPM in Apache, which is supposed to make Apache um, about just as scalable as Nginx, apparently it doesn't work well with SSL. And then I think, mm, yeah, okay, this is there's something wrong here. 
Yeah, I'm still a big fan of Apache, and I still use it daily. But uh, any kind of Rails 5 application that I'm using WebSockets on, I definitely spin up on uh, Nginx. But it's kind of cool and kind of strange, too, that uh, Apache does work as a reverse proxy. Uh, so if you have a Apache load balancer, you can still uh, send send through the WebSocket upgrade request to Nginx, and Passenger handles it nicely. Um, but you still need that Nginx layer at the uh, web server level right behind Passenger. Well, you don't really need an Nginx layer uh, behind Passenger. Or maybe you meant before Passenger. Yeah, in front of Passenger. Sorry. If you, if, if you set up Passenger behind a reverse proxy, you actually... Uh, you can actually skip the Nginx layer entirely. Since version 5 in Passenger, we have this thing called the built-in mode in which you can connect the Passenger core directly to whatever reverse proxy you're using and skipping any potential overhead that you uh, that the middleman could introduce. I could simplify some of the infrastructure stuff uh, and then you just make sure that you pass through the upgrade requests, the, the WebSocket upgrade requests uh, from the reverse proxy and everything just gets handled perfectly. Yeah. That's fantastic. Great. I have a lot of work to do tonight then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I'll have to check that out. Uh, so as far as uh, the Ruby version, so uh, for those listeners who don't know, you still have to have your web server, which connects to your application server, in our case, Passenger, but you still need a Ruby interpreter installed. Uh, Hung Lee, what is your preferred method of having the Ruby version on the uh, server, do you go with a um, like a system Ruby, or do you use a Ruby uh, manager like RVM or uh, CH Ruby or anything like that? What's your preferred method? My preferred method is RVM, and this is probably very controversial because I I used to recommend a system Ruby with with uh, apps packages or RPMs or whatever your system package manager is to install Ruby. And I know that a lot of people prefer CH Ruby or RBN because they have had a lot of problems with RVM. Well, the reason why I recommend RVM is because RVM has a similar uh, philosophy to Passenger, if you will. They focus really on the usability aspect. For example, they would install uh, dependencies for you in order to to build Ruby. Now, I, I, I'm not exactly sure whether RBN also does that kind of thing nowadays, but uh, when I last used RBN, it didn't, and I had to figure out, okay, what do I need to ask get install just to be able to, inst- to install Ruby using RBN, of, or what the, what other projects do I need to, to get clone in order to make all this work? Well, RVM is like, okay, you just type this in, and it works, and it does all the dependencies for you, and I really like that. I also haven't run into any uh, any problems with RVM as other people claim they have. So, so I've never seen the stability issues. And finally, the reason why I don't recommend system rubies anymore is because a lot of people seem to uh, lock down the application to a specific Ruby tiny version. For example, they, they want Ruby 2.2.1 specifically and not Ruby 2.2.2. Well, you can't do that with a system Ruby package. It will always upgrade to the latest minor version 
Yeah, I'm absolutely on board with you on there. Uh, I like yeah. RVM and um, all the controversy around it. I've just not experienced. So maybe some stuff has changed in the recent years that, you know, for all the naysayers, they should give it a, another fair shot. And Yeah, absolutely. And as far as uh, installing passenger, what's your preferred method? Because I know uh, that now you have the omnibus method where you can uh, do an apt install or a uh, yum install, whatever the Red Hat side of things are. But you can also include passenger into your gem file. Uh, what's your preferred or recommended way of doing that? Okay, I'm not sure what you meant by Omnibus, but uh, we do provide R uh, RPM and Debian packages. And that is the method we recommend. Pick whatever package that we officially provide that is the most specific to your operating system. If you are using Debian Ubuntu, use our packages for that. If you're using Red Hat or CentOS, use our packages for that. Uh, for Everything else, pick uh, a generic thing like a tarball or a gem. That that is because in our Debian and um, Red Hat packages, we have specific integrations in place in order to make Passenger work better with those operating system. Uh, for example, it sets security in uh, up in the right way. On Red Hat, we uh, we install an SE Linux profile so that you can use Passenger together with that. I know that a lot of people disable SE Linux on uh, Red Hat because they don't really understand it and it is perceived as being more trouble than it is worth. But we really think that SE Linux adds value in terms of protecting the system. And that is why we have gone through the last mile or well, it's, it was a very, very, very long last mile, but that's another story to integrate well with SE Linux and other sorts of uh, system stuff. That's really good to know that, that you've got these, the, the sort of generic way of doing it uh, but a more specific way so that you can really take advantage of this for the specific stuff for each operating system. It's really good to know that, uh, especially for the SE Linux stuff, because I'm in that sort of that same camp where I see a lot of people at, at advice on forums and stuff. Oh, just disable it. Like, no, 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 no. Don't don't turn stuff off that you don't understand what it does. That's not that's sort of not not the approach that we should be taking as as admins yeah. or, or software developers. You know, don't don't just turn something off you don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I do understand why they turn turn things off. SC Linux is, from a usability standpoint, it's a massive pain, and their documentation is really not that good. Absolutely. Uh, if they just improve the documentation, have more resources out there, it would improve SE Linux adoption so much. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever have issues crop up in production that you don't see in development? Do you even know how your app is performing in production? Performance, errors, and analytics to figure out where your app is bogging down are important to keep an eye on. You could try one of those error tracking apps, but why not use a tool that does it all? Try Datadog. Datadog tracks performance, collects data on your errors, and provides you with the information you need to improve your user's experience and fix bugs without having to log into the production server and dig through the logs. What if my app spans across multiple servers and services, you ask? Datadog seamlessly collects metrics from every corner of your application, including services like Amazon AWS and systems like Redis. So whether you want a clear view into your application's performance, need to be notified of new errors, or to keep track of your application across various services you use, use Datadog. If you go to devchat.tv slash Datadog, 
and start a free trial to send you a free Datadog t-shirt. Absolutely. Uh, if they just improve the documentation, have more resources out there, it would improve SE Linux adoption so much. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Passenger got a new logo. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. And when I first saw that, the first things that came to mind were Voltron and Transformers. <laughs> Uh, did that have any inspiration in y'all's design of the logo? It, uh, it definitely did. Uh, a lot of people inside Fusion are anime fans. And while designing the logo, we, uh, well, you know that the old logo was a chair and it, it looked really beautiful uh, before the iOS um, a flat icon trend sort of thing where people moved away from Skewmorphic but nowadays it's getting a, a little bit old and we want something different and, we, and, and no matter how we try to redesign it, it a, a chair just didn't feel right so then we tried something else and we also tried animals but that also didn't really feel right then eventually we landed with robots because we think robots are cool. But if I Google search for robot logos on Google, I find many examples of robot logos that, well, don't really excite me. But uh, as anime fans, we've al always uh, found robots, Japanese-style robots, to be very cool. Think Gundam, think uh, Transformers, think Kuren uh, Lagan, uh, or th and that sort of thing. And that's sort of the style that we went with. We want we want to renew Passenger's image. We want Passenger to have uh, to, to be something cool because we think that, that that Passenger is cool and has a lot of new things to offer nowadays. Uh, lots of new features. And then we also want to be a little bit bold because the the, the logo is a bit risky in terms of, uh, uh, because it doesn't really look serious. We have a lot of enterprise customers. So in the beginning, we were like, okay, if we go for this logo, what would enterprise customers think? And then we thought, okay, fuck this. Let's just do this and be bold. I mean, robots are cool. So I don't think you're going to get any pushback there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a good logo you know it you could definitely tell that some thought went into it yeah definitely our designer did a great job so uh docker has become a uh pretty pretty big thing in the more recent years um how do you see uh and what kind of direction are you guys taking passenger to uh fill in with this new adoption does Passenger just work uh, great with Docker, or is there other things that you guys had to do to make it play nice? Passenger uh, works well with Docker nowadays. Although in the in, in the early days, we had to modify things here and there to make Passenger uh, work well with Docker. In the beginning. Um, we found that Docker introduces what we call the PID1 zombie reaping problem. I don't know whether you have ever heard of that. Yeah, we should explain it anyway. Yeah, the, 
That, that means that uh, if you run something inside a container, in a Docker container, it is run as PID1. But uh, when, it, when it comes to the kernel, the kernel treats PID1 as a special process. And with that specialty comes a lot of responsibility. The kernel expects PID1 to do certain things that other processes do not. And most applications are not written with that in mind. They do not do the things that the kernel expects it to do. That's why um, on normal systems outside of Docker container, there is a special PID1, the init process, that takes care of that. And apps usually just um, assume that the PID1 will take care of it. Well, inside a Docker container, there is none of that. We have documented the problem in detail in, uh, on the Fusion blog. Uh, so we had kind of had to work around that inside Passenger because if the PID1 uh, is not there, then depending on how processes spawn, you could end up with zombie processes. So we had to work around that um, by adding extra checks in Passenger. And besides this, there were also some issues with uh, people redirecting passengers log to uh, def SCDR and that kind of, uh, of stuff. Uh, because passenger used to assume a non-Docker environment where that sort of, uh, where we can uh, make certain, what is the word? Certain assumptions about how the file system works, but inside Docker, the file system works differently. So we had to special case that and implement a different path in, in order to make that work. We've done that over a few iterations and Passenger now uh, uh, works very well with Docker out of the box. And in order to make people's lives easier, because Passenger is about usability, it's about not have, having to do the things that you don't have to do, we provide a Docker base image uh, in which we provide various versions of Ruby, various versions of Node.js, and you can pick whatever you want and, and, and use that to make your uh, Docker container shipping much faster. And we also added lots of documentation because we think that uh, documentation is important and part of the usability experience. Unfortunately, I find that a lot of Docker containers nowadays are not really that well documented, uh, but it seems that the tide is turning and people are uh, being more serious about documenting their containers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a that seems to be a, a common trend, and I I stumbled when I stumbled upon uh, the the, uh, the the passenger stuff for uh, uh, the Digidon for Docker. Uh, I was just I, like, wow, this is this is some of the best explanation I've ever seen for getting a container up and running, for getting a base container up and running. Usually, it's just oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab the container by name and I'm gonna figure it out from there, and and they always come up with some nasty surprises. Uh, but the uh, the you know the, the documentation for the the passenger stuff kind of lays out uh, a lot of the gotchas, a lot of the well, if you're going to do this, here's what you do, uh, and I think that's really fantastic. It's a model that I like to see other people who are putting containers up there follow. Yeah, we we try to apply this philosophy of having good documentation, lots of documentation to everything we do. That's why after the passenger five. 
uh, 5.0 release, we released this thing called the Passenger Library, which is an entire rework of our own user manual. Uh, we added lots of more documentation. We added, for example, tutorials that explain to people uh, how to deploy Passenger in production from from the very beginning, like spinning up a VM at your hosting provider to the end, like how do you install your Rails app? How do you run migrations? Uh, how do you bundle install? How do you use Capistrano? That sort of thing and have everything be one single smooth path, but also structure the documentation in such a way that no matter whether you are a Ruby user or Node.js user using Passenger or Python user, you can go to the appropriate uh, section in the documentation and the content will be tailor-made for you. Yeah, that's... You hear that out there? You hear that out there in, in <laughs> software development land? Documentation is the key to a great user experience for anyone who wants, anyone who wants to adopt your product. You're always going to get me on the side of documentation. That's, that's sort of what I do is, is, you know, is, is documentation is a full-time thing. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I love it. I love to see, I love to see that. And that's one of the things that I, I've always loved about working with, working with passenger because it's um, with, with, with the deployment. So, so I would say that you know, from day one um, when, when passenger launched, it's sort of uh turned everything that I was working on up, up on end because I don't know, I would say probably a month before passenger came out. Uh, I had submitted my chapter for a book on deploying rails applications. It was back in 2007 or so I did a chapter on that. And it, it was like a month later, the whole book that was the whole book that we all worked on was completely out of date because passenger was on the scene and it sort of made everything that we were doing uh, irrelevant and unnecessary and in a good way. Um, because there was just, there was, here's, here's passenger, here's this tool. Oh, and here's everything you need to know uh, about how to use it. And, uh, it, it's a lot of work that goes into that. Uh, and I, and I, I, uh, I want to hammer that home that I, I'm so happy that y'all did that, that y'all put all that, all that effort and continue to put all that effort into uh, making things easy for people to adopt. So thank you very much. No, no problem. I, you know, hearing about people grateful about the things that we do and the fact that we provide makes me happy. On the topic of changing everything, like uh, I think that Docker is about to change everything again. From a survey that we recently ran from. Uh, uh, among a lot of Ruby users, we see that a lot of them use Docker. Something like 50% of the interviewees use Docker. So better Docker integration and adding more value that uh, uh, that makes sense in a Dockerized world is definitely something that we are looking into. Without getting too deep into that subject, uh, can, at a high level, uh, what what kind of Docker integration does does Passenger offer? I mean, without getting too in the weeds. So what what sort of uh, what sort of you know if I'm if I'm launching my applications in containers what sort of uh, features does Passenger offer to me? When you use Docker together with Passenger, the main uh, value that Passenger offers is visibility into what your application is doing on a process level and an HTTP level. Docker is. Uh, well, you could say that Docker is quote unquote just a process manager that uh, works differently. Uh, so it would 
take care of some of the process management. Uh, it would take over some of the process management that Passenger does, but it does not provide application or HTTP level visibility. And that is what Passenger excels at. Uh, you could say that Passenger is this glue between your application and Docker that makes everything run more smoothly. It's some kind of oil that makes the machine run more smoothly than usual. And we are actively looking for new features um, uh, outside the current value uh, proposition that we could add to make things even better. There's a, there's a teaser for you. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you see the future of Passenger as well as your company with Fusion? That, that is a very broad question. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? Uh, so uh, what kind of things, you know, I know performance is always going to be a bigger stride and to make Passenger even easier to use, you know, whatever that means. Uh, but are you guys working on anything else? Uh, you know, have anything in the pipes that are that's really going to help revolutionize a Ruby and Rails world even more? Okay, what it's going to revolutionize, I don't know. But we are working on some stuff that um, I think would definitely make things better. For one, we are working on a graphical uh, administration panel for passengers so that you can manage your uh, passenger clusters with that. It would be clusterized so you could uh, attach all your passenger servers on the admin panel, whether it is Dockerized or not. And from one single central interface, you could see what processes are running, what traffic is going on. Um, uh, you could set up security, because one of the things that I heard a lot from enterprise customers is uh, they don't want to give developers SSH access to the servers. But sometimes developers need to help sysadmins to debug their apps. Well, an admin panel can help, them, uh, help with that by providing more granular uh, security access, this sort of thing. And the admin panel could help you uh, expose certain details in your app to the administrators that you couldn't really do with system level tools like uh, PS or top. Uh, it would be an extensible thing so that applications can provide their own information to be displayed in the admin panel. But the admin panel should also improve the usability uh, thing a lot because one of the things we notice is that uh, there are so many features and configuration options in Passenger nowadays that a lot of uh, users, especially new users, don't know what is possible with Passenger. They don't realize the full power of Passenger. This is a visibility problem. And with a graphical admin panel, we can fix that. We can display directly what kind of features Passenger have and also uh, maybe give people suggestions on what options they can enable in order to uh, make passenger work better according to their traffic patterns. That's really cool. Sign me up. Uh, yeah. Is this something that's going to be available to enterprise only, or do you guys have a um, more lightweight version planned for open source? Or is it that too is early still, to tell? Uh, it is too early to tell. Right now, we are mostly developing the thing and how exactly that will be uh, released and what's going to be open source and enterprise uh, is still up for discussion. 
on the uh, on the one hand we want to be a good open source citizen on the other hand uh, uh, we have to be able to to eat or otherwise we can't further develop passenger so there is a uh, there's a balance that we need to strike there and we are still very much discussing about what the balance is yeah fair enough fair enough uh well, if you ever go hungry, let me know. I can send you over some gourmet pizza rolls. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> so but I so think. You, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh, what, what I think that the future for um, uh, for Ruby application delivery lies is that I think a lot of Rubyists can expect more polyglot in the future with the rise of Docker microservices. We also see that. Um, uh, web apps are written in an increasingly uh, diverse number of programming languages. People are slowly realizing that they should split up their application uh, in multiple pieces and have each piece be specialized in um, in a certain part of the problem. And that could mean using a different programming language for that. So if you are Rubyist, then I think that um, you would be much more valuable as a programmer to, to companies if you know more than just Ruby. And Passenger wants to help you with that by um, introducing support for not just Ruby, not just Node.js, which we also support right now, but support for any programming lang language. That is definitely one of the things that we are working on. You can, for example, put your Go apps on Passenger and manage your Go apps or Java apps or uh, whatever in exactly the same manner as you are used to uh, with Passenger and have a consistent operational platform for all your web apps. Good to me. So not that I'm encouraging it, but are you guys going to support .NET in the future with Passenger? It would be possible. Yeah, again, not saying that I encourage <laughs> that. C-sharp <laughs> is quite a, quite a nice language. I don't know whether you, you've used yet. I, yeah. I really like it. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Um, you know, I can't say I'm a huge fan of it, but I have worked with it. Uh, but just with the whole uh, .NET core being open source now, and you see uh, SQL Server migrating over to Linux, you know, in that space, uh, it'd be interesting to see something like Passenger supported as well. And again, not saying that I encourage it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, is there anything else uh, that you want to share about your company or uh, self with Passenger? I want to really thank all the people that have supported us so far, not only open source users, uh, but also enterprise customers who have uh, helped us be where we are right now. Because uh, late last year, we hit the mark of 1 million uh, annual recurring revenue. It has been, thank you. It has been, it, it has been such an exciting ride and it wouldn't be possible without the community and without the customers and, and their trust for us. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have any visibility of the total uh, number of servers out there or, you know, anything, you know, kind of generic that are actually using passenger? Yeah, we, we don't, we don't, we don't really, uh, 
We have some statistics out there, but they are not compiled by us. Builtwith.com, they claim that there are half a million uh, web surfers out there running Passenger. That's a pretty respectable number. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and uh, while here, you're going to be at RailsConf this year. Uh, yes, we are going to RailsConf. It's going to be great. If you're going to RailsConf too, please come and meet us. We, we would love to talk to you. And uh, we are also doing a research right now about what people's problems are uh, and what we could improve in terms of Ruby application delivery. How can we help you deliver your applications faster and help you deliver your business value? We want to know this sort of stuff and find out what we can improve in Passenger. So if you have any suggestions, please talk to us either by RailsConf or, um, or, or sending us an email or, or contacting us through whatever channel you prefer. Yeah, in hindsight, by the time this airs, uh, either RailsConf will be going on or it, it may have just ended. So we'll, we'll see where it lands. Yes. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? You know, where are you at on the Internet? We are on Twitter. It's fusion underscore NL, and the NL is important because fusion without underscore NL uh, is taken by someone else who had it before us, unfortunately. Or you can send us an old-fashioned email at info at fusion.nl. Awesome. This episode is sponsored by Compose.io. Databases are arguably the most difficult part of the stack to manage. The last thing you want is to wake up at 4 a.m. because the database failed and you have no backups. Compose has all that covered for you, so rest assured that your database is fast, reliable, and always on. It's production-ready cloud databases on AWS and GCP for SoftLayer. So go check them out. You can pick from nine databases, including MongoDB, Elasticsearch, Redis, RethinkDB, MySQL, and one of the latest, ScyllaDB, which is a fast drop-in replacement for Cassandra. All databases come with guaranteed RAM, IOPs, and CPU that auto-scale, automatic daily and on-demand backups, high availability nodes, security you can count on with, with private VLAN, IP whitelisting, SSH and SSL, two-factor authentication, and much more. Deploy your database in minutes, and they'll take care of all of the administrative tasks like patches and upgrades. Set up is fast and easy, so go try them out for 30 days free at compose.com slash devchat. Well, should we move on to picks? Sure. Yeah, sounds like we should. All right. Uh, Brian, what picks do you have? What picks do I have? Um, the, 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 I, have one, I have one and only one pick uh, this week, and it's for a conference uh, in, in the Midwest, uh, in, in actually in the state of Wisconsin, called That Conference. And uh, that conference brings uh, about 1,600 software developers and their families uh, to a uh, to summer camp for geeks. It's a it's a tech conference, but there's a family track uh, with all kinds of learn to program activities and, and science activities, things like that for kids. Um, uh, one of the one of the most popular talks for for kids is this uh, talk on uh, making circuits with Play-Doh as the conductive material, which is pretty cool. Um, there is a robotics camp that always goes on there, um, where, where the kids are involved in, in building robots. There are, and there's also a bunch of great, uh, just great conference presentations on all things cloud and web and mobile, um, for, uh, for the attendees as well. Uh, it spans three days and it's, uh, it's in August 
And you can find out about it at thatconference.com. Which uh, I highly recommend. Yeah, that Sorry. conference. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I highly recommend going. I highly recommend going. It's going to be August 7th through the 9th um, in, uh, in, in beautiful uh, Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin, kind of in the center of the state uh, at the Kalahari Resort. So it's at an, in, it's at an indoor water park. Uh, so uh, if, if the family kind of gets tired of, of nerding out, they can always hit the water park during the day uh, and, and you can meet up with your family in the evening. So it's a great time. This will be the sixth time the conference has run. Uh, I've been every time and it's great. Uh, I will be speaking about Docker this year uh, at this conference also. So that's uh, another one of the plugs I'm going to do. As I'm not quite sure when I'll be speaking about it, but it will be at that conference uh, one of those days. That's all I got for picks. Awesome. And Hong Lee, what picks do you cool. have? I have three picks. The first one is a talk that is hosted on heavybit.com called Building a Better Core Pitch. Uh, although I, I am a programmer, you could say that I am half a businessman because I run a company. And one of the things that really resonated with me is this talk that teaches you how to use storytelling mm. to, to pitch your, your product to other people in a way that is engaging. The second thing that I want to pick is a tool called Liquid Planner. Um, as a startup founder who has to manage all sorts of people that uh, have different tasks, it is very challenging to schedule them in such a way that everybody uh, is scheduled efficiently and that everybody has um, uh, enough things to do, but also to coordinate different kinds of project deadline uh, between teams. And with most of the planning tools that I've used, they all boil, boil down to uh, specifying the begin and end dates of projects myself and then manually checking whether specific people are overbooked or not. That doesn't make any sense because um, uh, that would mean that I, as a human, am doing the brunt of the calculation work. What do we have computers for? A liquid planner seems to be doing exactly what, what I wanted to do. You enter tasks, uh, you enter dependencies, you, you, you enter estimates of how long a task is going to take, and who could do a task, and a liquid planner will calculate a uh, planning for you automatically. And that way, you don't have to specify begin and end dates. You just know where the begin and end dates are. And it really helps me with coordinating things. And finally, I don't know whether picking a Ruby Rogues podcast as a pick is, is cheating, but I really like the writing for developers podcast. Uh, and you could probably know why, because I talk so much about documentation. It's really important. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good podcast. Awesome. Well, uh, I have just two picks. One is a encouragement that if you're not already doing so, uh, check out continuous integration. Just uh, pushing up your code to your version control and have it automatically run your test suite. Uh, it's a really important thing to have for any application going out to production. And then also my second pick is one that everyone has probably already heard of, and it is Slack. Uh, there's so many different application plugins that you can... Uh, get feedback from your builds and just communicate and collaborate with a team remotely or even within the same office. It's a very handy tool. 
Well, Hong Lee, we really appreciate you coming on here. I must admit, I was very giddy to get to talk with you because, uh, you know, I've been a longtime passenger fan and love what you guys are doing. Oh, I I'm honored. Well, I'll catch you guys next week. All right. Bye, thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.